Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to Charlie Adams, David Green, Jordan Ferguson, Katie Maxwell, Kyle Michaud, Matthew Bang, and Pablo Corden for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those two Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host Amelia. And I'm your host Billy. And we're watching The Legend of Alice May. Legend of the Creeper, in all honesty. The, I, I think including liked... Alice May in the title is not correct. I, I think I agree that the Creeper should have been honored in the title. But I do also just enjoy that that was a surprise twist. But then again, that's the legend portion of it. I, I think we can all agree. The Legend of Alice May, not the best they could have done. Apparently, one of the foreign language titles for this uh, episode was called The Haunted Prom, which is not much better. Uh, that's from Italy. I feel like that gives you more than Alice May. I mean, the legend of Alice May is like we should go into already knowing who Alice May is. She's not a Bloody Mary. She's not like an Okiko. These aren't urban legends that everyone just knows. Yeah, there's got to be something... I feel like you could riff on John Hughes for this. There's so many prom movies. So many movies about prom that you could riff on. That they, that they kind of do here. But uh, the title? Lackluster. And the whole episode in general just uh, really eating into your theory that these kids never solved the original mystery. Oh, what, 100%. <laughs> this episode ruins it. I don't know how anybody can watch this episode and argue that it's a prequel to the original series. Well, there's some time fuckery at the end of it. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess that's where they get it. That's where they can argue it. They cannot argue it during the series' run. We see here the children defeating the Creeper. So at first glance, uh, completely forgetting this episode, my first note that I wrote down was Limo. Oh, for prom. I, I thought some sort of bigwig was showing up at the town. I thought some sort of bigwig was showing up in the town, but then you see a boy in a little blue suit, and you understand what's going on pretty quickly. I don't think the music helps. Uh, it's got some of the Scooby influence in it, but distinctly there's like a, a thwathwomp sound that's very Mass Effect in the background. It gives it a, l a little bit of a more ominous flavor than you imagine prom to have. Yes. I shouldn't have to go to prom... And defeat the Reapers while I'm there. No. Might be your favorite prom on the Citadel, though. 
Um, I, I do appreciate that we're apparently watching the prom episode of that 70s show with, uh, with Red Foreman in the, in the doorway. Hardly. You, you think that's unintentional? Yeah, the mother wasn't Kitty. No, but she, she was that archetype. Of, of a mother of, wanting to take a picture of herself? Yeah, you know, she was, she was a woman. And the boy was was a Weasley type boy. I'm just saying that man looked like a heck of a lot like Red Foreman. I don't know. I'm not personally seeing that as a reference. It's just a trope that mothers want to take pictures of their children when they go to prom. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna fight too hard for it, but I feel like I should a little. No. <laughs> okay. Well, I've then I won't. De- I've decided you are not going to be fighting for that. <laughs> I, I, let me tally the votes, and you win this one. Premise. Premise us up, Billy. Well, the premise of this one is short and sweet. A ghost girl is kidnapping boys at school dances, and Fred is her next victim. Okay, I feel like we gotta start with the major minor mentions on this one, because the mayor mandate and the Bronson Stone beat. They go hand in hand because they go to, to Crystal Cove High. To, to warn the children that on prom night, there's going to be a ghost limo lurking them. And, a phantom limo, right? And the mayor mandate specifically, he goes to talk about prom at school to specifically tell his own son that if he sees a ghost girl, do not go to prom with her. He knows his boy. <laughs> he knows his interests. And a little boy Fred is going to see a mystery and and go head first right into it. Was he wrong to do that? He was not wrong, no. I mean, maybe in terms of presentation. No, I feel like the only way that you can get through to Fred is with a group shaming. Like, he did it in front of the whole school to shame Fred. Seemingly. And so there wasn't even a ghost limo aspect of this. Was this just something that happened last year? And they were like, watch out, there, there might be ghost limos. No, they were lumping the ghost girl in with a phantom limo. Okay. That's how she was getting around. Presumably just a regular limo driver would not drive a screaming, terrified youth to his doom. So that first boy, was he in a, in a neighboring town? Because they, they were definitely going to prom. Yeah. And if I, they were going to this prom... They left days too early. I think it was a neighboring town. Okay. Maybe there's like Crystal Cove High, and then on the other side, there's like the Catholic St. Mary's. We don't talk about them. Crystal Catholic. Yeah. Other major minor mentions? The the angel angle. Angel does appear in this episode. She is researching these disappearances and learns of boys that have gone missing since the turn of the century. Alice May's collecting up men to put in her man posse, which is another fantastic line delivery from Angel Dynamite. It's it's good from her, but I don't like the way they keep saying man posse throughout this episode. I didn't hear it any other time besides when Angel said it. Oh, it's it's like all through it after this. It's man posse this, man posse that. Well, they gotta talk about it. Fred's the next possum that's being abducted. Yeah, That's specifically but... what Shaggy says. <laughs> Fred's the next possum! Uh, Mr. E Mysteries 
no appearance from Mr. E himself, nor any 8-tracks, records, CDs, MP3s. He's mentioned, and he sort of indirectly has his fingerprints all over this episode. Um, but really all there is to say to him is that he has his fingerprints all over this episode. It's Everything is sort of by his machinations. Mr. E. Machinations would have been also a good category. Well, you were the one that came up with the alliteration for the major minor mentions, so I should think you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm not, not thinking of it. I'm not ashamed, because I think mystery is, is straight and to the point. But it, well, de- it depends on the, on the perspective. What happens when Angel turns into Cassidy? That is, listeners, don't listen to her. That's for the future. Because we never spoil anything we in the never, future on this podcast. We never do. We never do. I don't, I don't think we do. <laughs> Talking more about our main characters, our major, major mentions, <laughs> the Fred Factor. This is an episode that is sort of about Fred, but not. He's the one that goes missing throughout a chunk of the narrative. He's got other things to do. Yeah, and, and that's all it is. He's not kidnapped. He's simply busy. <laughs> or the gang is going behind his back. Prom is coming up. It's prom season, which is ridiculous to me. I mean, what time of year is it? Is this the end of the year? We were only just on summer vacation, weren't we? Anyways, forget about that. There's no continuity to time period. Maybe this is the fall prom. That's non-existent. We'll go into that later, but Fred uses prom time to not go to prom. He, he instead likes to listen to police scanners and monitor the sewers. <laughs> police scanners I get. It's prom night. A lot of shit can go down. The sewers makes this a very Fred activity. Seems very niche. Is this a Fred that you feel... Grows out of the pup named Scooby-Doo version. This is a Fred who's, like, gonna be side-eyeing Red Herring pretty hard. I don't know. He's not obsessed with the monsters here. He's obsessed with the traps. He sees the monsters as an aspect of an overall mystery. That's a good point. Um, we, we know this Fred has made models of the school to chart his class route. This seems absolutely believable for this boy. I don't question that for a moment. Daphne gets upset that um, that Fred is being nice to a new girl. And he cocks his eyebrow. And it looks like it's a knowing cock. And it's just like, oh. does my boy know? Is he playing some sort of game with Daphne's feelings on purpose? I did not notice Fred's cock like that. You see, you thought that was going to be funny, but it's not. I, th- I thought, it, I thought, <laughs> the, I, you, see, you know what? I bet we got one chuckle. One at, at the least. If you are the person who chuckled, thank you. He cocks his eyebrow and you think it's knowing, but it's not. <laughs> this boy is as oblivious he, as ever. And I honestly feel that it, Fred isn't crushing on this girl or anything. He is genuinely just trying to be helpful to someone who is new. I don't know, though. He likes that her hair smells like peaches and that sometimes he gets lost in her eyes. <laughs> Sounds a little like a crush is developing. Might be some 
feelings that he doesn't know how to talk about for Daphne manifesting in the new girl. Right. Or, you know, it might just be, you know, they're just on the cusp of adulthood right now. Maybe Fred has never identified what those feelings mean. The way that he talks about Daphne as a friend and a pal. I don't think his dad has, like, sat him down for a talk. I He's never had anything, any romance to model. Fred he's still, had his head down in the trap magazines. Fred still believes babies come via storks. Yes. <laughs> and he's ready to trap one of those storks and keep a baby. <laughs> Good quote from Fred. Wow, this is a neat mausoleum. <laughs> I also wrote this down. <laughs> he's not talking about it in terms of, like, trap making or anything. No. He just likes this mausoleum. It's, it's very neat. <laughs> very neat. He goes against his father's wishes, and he, he does ask the ghost girl to <laughs> no. prom. One would argue, perhaps not knowingly, in a final confrontation, absolutely knowingly. <laughs> but again, as a means to an end. He, he turns down Alice May, who is the ghost girl. This is all revealed in, like, the cold open, by the way. It's no surprise that Alice May is a monster. Yeah, we, we should have mentioned it in, in the at first glance, but we have things to say in the villain category. So he accepts this date with Alice May, but then breaks it off before she can kidnap him and add him to her man posse. Because Daphne... Still don't like that term. Daphne wants to go to prom with Fred. He says, oh, sure, why not? Going with a friend will be more fun than a date. And which is, is cute. I love this wholesome Fred, but then he just walks up to the limo to tell her, tell his actual date that the date is off. And Fred, you cold-hearted bitch. I know, that is very cold-hearted. <laughs> if she wasn't a monster. Night ruined. <laughs> yeah. Now, I feel like, character-wise, you could salvage that with Fred being like, sure, the three of us will all go together. Hop in the limo. It, it feels a little wrong that Fred would just leave Alice May in the cold. I mean, maybe with Daphne begging him to. It's, it's a, it's, he's, he's been put in a pickle. Uh, well, not really, though, because he does decide to go with Daphne. He's happy to go with Daphne. He is, but I bet, I bet you he feels pretty bad about letting Alice May down. I don't know, when they're dancing and, and he seems pretty oblivious to everything. Because he asked Daphne... <laughs> <laughs> Daphne, what's wrong with your face? You look like you're gonna hork. Uh, meaning, he has mistaken her happiness for nausea. <laughs> he clearly doesn't read emotions well. Maybe he thinks Alice May is perfectly happy with the arrangement. That absolutely could be it. This, just that this Fred does not read emotions well. <laughs> Including his own. I can tell you what he does do well. He wears a fine suit. Yeah, he's got a nice white suit. Not a lot of guys can pull off a white yeah. suit, but Freddy does. And it's it's so very much in his classic color palette. He has a lovely orange bow tie in exchange for the ascot. I uh, I I think it's a it's a he's cute. He's great looking. Is it my top look of the prom? Might be. It's tough to it's tough to judge men's fashion, but I would say he's he's either my number one or number two look at this prom. Well, if you look at it this way. Like, did you rent a tuxedo for prom? Because no one I went to prom with had a tuxedo. They no. were wearing, like, suits and yes. ties and sneakers. There were no dress shoes among the crowd. I wore dress shoes. 
but it wasn't a rented tux. Fred looks yeah, like he's no. gone out of his way to get a nice suit. Fred looks like he's perhaps tailored a suit to his own physique. Then again, like, he has that broad-shouldered look. I feel like he could just walk into a store, pick up a suit jacket, and it's gonna look perfect on him. Yeah. Maybe he makes some alterations. I like to imagine Fred hunched over a sewing machine, needles in his teeth as he alters something. Accidentally makes it into a trap a couple times, but then, <laughs> then, then gets it right. The double-breasted suit jacket's what he was going for. Oh, <laughs> what? Okay, what could we cut out of this episode to add that scene? Uh, anything with Velma. Well, let's move on to the uh, the Velma vision. Well, I got one last note for Fred. I know that was an excellent segue. Last note for Fred, though, is trap. This episode involves a noose. Thank fucking God it goes around Alice May's wrists and not her neck because her head was plummeting towards it before her wrists ended up in it. Oof. And the rest, the, like, you think the other, the people on the end trying to tighten the noose to trap her are going to notice if it's her neck? No, they're running on adrenaline. She's in it. Yank it. They almost lynched a girl. <laughs> Could you imagine if, if the mayor and Sheriff Bronson Stone ran into that gymnasium, and the gang... (laughs) I'm doing motions right now that you can't see. I assume you can imagine them. Moving on, the Velma vision. Yeah. Bad. Bad Velma episode. It's... I feel like it's not as bad as the last episode where she was blatantly trying to change Shaggy. She gets very upset at Shaggy this episode for wanting nothing to do with prom. And that's a stereotypical girl reaction. Right. But she's not trying to, like, change him. She's just passive-aggressively making him do things. And she... she... I don't know. It's, It's just as bad, but it's not as obnoxious to watch. I'm with you. And she does, at the beginning of this episode, I think it's okay, because she is sort of being like, all right, we're going to go to the prom for me, and then we're going to watch the marathon for you. It's a little bit of a give and take. But then my issue is the scene in the graveyard when Velma's like, you mean you don't want to go to prom with me? And she just starts fucking kicking gravestones Mm -hmm. and being aggressive until Mm -hmm. Shaggy's like, no, of course I want to go to prom with you. And it just feels bad. It does. That 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 whole cemetery scene, at first, when Daphne says they should split up, Velma's not into it. But then she gets split up with Shaggy, and she is into it. She, she She's textbook. And you know what? This does work for Velma. Because Velma, it, we've always said she's like a book learner. She's not a life learner. So she has researched. Relationships are this. You go through these stages and these steps. And the fact that Shaggy is acting like a person and not a, you know, it's not not a machine, not a... A babysitter's club character. <laughs> yeah, he's not as programmic in that way. And it's I feel like it's tough to know even if Velma actually wants these things. Or Velma just knows that these are the things that happen and must be done. You know, I, f- I feel, feel like I've worked that out now, and I actually feel better about what Velma's doing and the way that they're writing her. Uh, but I'll still be happy when the arc is over. We all will be. 
Only other note worth mentioning for Velma is that she buys a sleeveless prom dress but covers it with her turtleneck sweater regardless. I, uh, how do you feel about her dress before she puts that sweater on? It's very frumpy. I thought, I thought it had a bit of a cute look. It, it felt within her comfort zone, but it was still cute. It's my number three outfit of prom. The Shaggy Scooby shenanigans. Shaggy obviously doesn't want to go to prom. Not only is it way out of his depth, he has no idea anything that needs to be done, renting a tux, a limo, getting Velma a corsage. He knows nothing about anything. And he just wants to stay home and watch the Vincent Van Gogh movie marathon. Yeah, th- this is... There is a Vincent Van Gogh movie marathon in this. Vincent Van Gogh is essentially just Vincent Price in this universe. That's a very clever way to bring him in. Um, and this is an annual marathon. Shaggy and Scooby are absolutely stoked for this. They want Velma to be part of it. Are they including her? Not necessarily. Look, no one ever said Shaggy was a good partner either. No, they're both terrible for everyone. Mm-hmm. And they should be jailed for their crimes against humanity. <laughs> Jail? You know what? Maybe they should just break up and move on. Jailed. Shaggy, rather uncharacteristically, remembers the creeper's last name. I don't think he would be the one that sees uh, the name Carswell on a crypt and say, Aw, that was the creeper. Like, there's no way. Well, maybe in this world that was one of their earliest mysteries, and so it really ingrained on him. The Creepers, like, what, episode 21 of the original series? It's a very late episode. Actually, I will also counter that I didn't remember his name. Do I remember Mr. Wickle's name? Oh, yeah, I remember Mr. Wickle's name. I did not remember Carswell. Or Carlswell. Or Caswell. I do not... Listeners? I don't remember it now! (laughs) (laughs) Shaggy drives the mystery machine when the gang is going behind Fred's back and investigating. How did Fred get home? How did they get a hold of the mystery machine? That is Fred's car in this universe. Right? Like, this is... This is Fred leaving school one day, and his his nose is too deep in a Traps Illustrated or something, and he gets halfway home, and he's just like, I feel like I forgot something, and it's his whole fucking van. I believe that, actually. That makes sense. My question is if there was some sort of, like, subterfuge, (laughs) where they had to be like, oh, I'll take your van for a a good cleaning at the car wash. Uh, Shaggy's rented tux is in his colors. Obviously, it's an ugly, frilly affair. Ill-fitting. I would argue it's not in his colors. Isn't it green? It's a purple tux. Really? He, his his suit mean, shirt is green. But the lighting isn't great. Yeah, I really only see it in the dark, but no, it is it is a dark-colored tux. It looks green in that scene. Are you sure it's not brown, then? It might be, but I want to lean towards a maroon. Well, whatever it is, it's hideous. Yeah. Oh, it's it's my number four outfit. It's it's the it's but still above Alice May's prom outfit. Sewn well, together rags. Yeah, it's above rags. He's gone to a, well. I don't know. Hers was craftier. I was also <laughs> only qualifying the gang in my fashion report. Of the gang, I think he is the loser. Okay. Well, in terms of, of fashion. Well, of everyone, Shaggy's always at the bottom. 
of any qualifi- <laughs> qualification. Um, not in an eating contest. Or speed. I would, I would say he's pretty high up there. Shaggy, uh, he goes for a very classic prom trope in this episode. He tries to pull off having two dates at once. Yeah, unfortunately one of his dates is a dog. <laughs> he's, he's going between the movie marathon with Scooby and prom with Velma without either of them finding out. Yeah. They didn't do enough with this. I think they did too much. No, I wanted him bouncing back and forth between them. No, I hate that trope. Agree to disagree. Also, the fact that, like, Scooby is a dog, and talking and sentient or not, you could be like, uh, Scoob probably comes once a lifetime, I have to go to it. You know what? We have the box set. I don't know, it feels like you don't have to go behind your dog's back. Shaggy, he's a dog. Well, and I, if you're looking at it realistically, communication. Quite poor with Scooby as well. Uh, they get to the prom, and Shaggy enters the gym as everyone else is running out. And he says, well, I didn't know that the theme is was terror and pandemonium. That's a great theme for Crystal Cove. Terror and pandemonium? Yeah. For sure. Forget a magical night under the sea. Terror and pandemonium. A terrifying night beneath the ocean waves. Get that clam guy there at a DJ. (laughs) Not the caterer? (laughs) No, he's my DJ. And then that leaves us with the Daphne dilemma. She says the, the phrase, Oh no, he didn't. Yeah. She, I mean, that was when Fred brings Alice May over to the gang. Okay, here's the thing. He wasn't holding her hand or macking on her or anything. She wasn't trying to do that to him. She, Daphne, exclaims, oh no, he didn't, to Fred simply existing near another human woman. Yes. Fred isn't in control of that, Daphne. There are (laughs) other women on Earth. He's also just still showing a girl around school. And now, if she had said, oh no, she didn't, Then she's like, oh, Alice May clearly sees that I've staked my territory here and is honing in on it. She's not attacking her fellow woman, though. She's attacking her idiot love interest, the man. Well, who can fault her for that? (laughs) Daphne comes off pretty crazy, though, because uh, at the end of this assembly that they've called, and this is when Alice May has been introduced to them, she is mad beyond belief that Alice has treated her the way that she has been treated. Kindly and with respect. (laughs) No interest in Fred Jones at all. And Daphne is mad beyond belief. Oh, how could that bitch do that to me? Treat me kindly and with respect. She's up to something. (laughs) Okay, there's a lot to be said about Daphne being jealous and possessive of Fred in this episode. But I want to say, I saw in this episode a lot more of Detective Daphne than I thought I would. I have been keeping my eyes out for Daphne having to interest something apart from Fred. And it is actually the grand mystery of the series. She's had this locket since episode one, and she actually spends time in the library researching these missing kids. 
um, and, and trying to put it together just on her own. I really like that she does have a non-Fred mystery that she's passionate about. She also uses that time for uh, action man Daphne makes another appearance. She chases after the shadow that's attacking her in the library. Uh, recklessly, some might say. Could be literally anyone. Yeah. Maybe don't run headfirst yeah. into that. And she ends up in, a, in the locker room. And can I just say, locker rooms are scary spaces. I've n- I have no other real note on that. Just they're very effective in horror. What's what's scarier than mass cleansing of teenage bodies, either in the light or at night, creeping through it as a shadow stalks you? You had me at mass cleansing. <laughs> that if I go to someone's house and they're like, "Are you ready for the mass cleansing?" You should probably leave. Yeah. It's much like that great that... birth you proposed last episode. Is that mostly tone, though? Let me try it again. Hey, Brock, come over for a mass cleansing. No, still sounds slightly genocidal. Also, who are you hanging out with that's calling you bra? <laughs> My bros. <laughs> Amelia? My bros. I don't know why I'm going Eastern European with that. Hello, bro. Welcome to Soviet Russia. Daphne is getting... Get ready for mass cleansing. That's happening there. Let's not joke about that. Okay. Uh, Daphne is given the important lesson. What's silly about being scared? And I love it. I love Alice May's line delivery when she says that. I I love the whole, like, don't get comfortable, Daphne. Yeah. It's, and it's kind of subverting Scooby-Doo, where everyone's like, Oh, it's you, Scooby and Shaggy, you're scared all the time. And this series is like, there are things to be afraid of. And one of them is Daphne, because she tackles Fred to the fucking ground like she's not only a hundred pounds, and a strong breeze could knock her over. (laughs) Watch the fuck out for Daphne Blake. She'll come at you like a wrecking ball if she wants to go to prom with you. And she does all this in an elegant dress that is my number one prom look. The purple dress with some uh, green accents, including... Like a sash tied around her waist yeah, and a choker. It's bold. She's got the gloves, the evening gloves. The, gr- the green, you know, we pass it by because those are just Daphne's colors. But it is a bold choice that I think is working. Yeah, I personally wouldn't go with lime green and purple. I wrote here, she's very honest with Fred. She's not hiding the way she feels. No, Fred's just, uh... Really fucking dumb. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that she she lets him in on her, on her fear. I'm worried about you, she says. I don't think she says that, but it's, it's as I'm saying it, I'm like, no, she didn't. But she kind of she she try. It's that scene where she stops Fred from getting in the car with Alice May. Yes, she's pleading with him. Yeah, and, and now the minor minor mentions prom boy <laughs> Randy, his parents. His name's Randy. Mm. I think we've already talked about him as much as we need to. Weasley-looking boy kidnapped by the ghost girl. Just an absolute stooge. We'll we'll get to him again when we talk about the villain's plan. Um, His mother says that prom was such a night of passion for her. 
but her husband was not who she went to prom with, and he seems to be bitter about that fact, so she must have just fucked, like, every dude at her prom. Except for him. <laughs> That's the kind of bitterness except, he except was showing in his Randy's eyes. Except for Randy's real father. Well, I mean, maybe she went to prom with Randy's real father. Maybe that's where the bitterness comes from. Well, he didn't have to marry this woman who fucked every other boy at prom. He didn't. If you bitterly resent somebody, you don't have to marry them. It's a good life lesson. That's a little advice just from me to you. For all our boomer listeners. (laughs) Uh, My next minor mention is Vincent Van Gogh. As I've said, literally Vincent Price starred in many horror movies. He just appears... In movie slash advertisement form. So far. Yes, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have even mentioned him if I were you. Then we see Delilah Blake, who's Daphne's army general sister. Yes. She seems to be talking about Normandy at one point. She she is (laughs) intense. Uh, She's played by Jennifer Hale. Which is as obvious... As it comes. Oh, absolutely. Like, that is just Commander Shepard giving you some intense talks. When you're pinned down on the beach, being picked off one by one. Hooah! He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't face Daphne at all. Daphne's just like, oh, Delilah, you're so silly. Oh, Delilah, your PTSD's <laughs> acting up again. Go find Mother, she's the keeper of everyone's Valium. <laughs> The Blake household's definitely drowning in Oh, it's just, it's loose in bowls. (laughs) Like apples it is. Uh, And then last up in minor mentions, I wrote down the two soccer-playing dude bros, whose name we don't learn here. I don't think we've learned their names yet. They come by in other episodes. It's like the the big beefy brown-haired one and the skinny little blonde one. They will become important later on. Um, They're running from the gym when everyone asks... In the gang, what's happening? And they yell, someone's mom is trying to kill Fred. They all, they also... we're not a little more concerned about this? They completely blame the gang for this. Yeah. They're like, thanks for ruining prom with your mysteries. You know what? It's probably not a bad course of action to take. not. To just blame the mystery ink gang. Um, I have some more minor mentions. I won't go into detail, uh, but we do finally learn about the original Mystery Incorporated. Uh, we we see a yearbook that has their pictures and their names, so putting together that mystery a little more. And there is a bald man who paid Alice May on behalf of Mr. E. And we get sort of an enigmatic scene where he talks with her and she pulls away in a limo, leaving him alone on the side of the road. He has to walk home now. Who says he showed up in that limo? I don't know. I feel like he was part of that limo. I thought he was the driver or something. Uh, So that takes us into our villain, the aforementioned many times over Alice May, who's the ghost girl. I'm not entirely sure where her quote-unquote, legend comes into all this. It's interesting because in this episode, we know who Alice May is, and we know that she is the the ghost girl. 
We don't know why she's assembling her man posse. We also don't know that it's fake. It is sort of like, I guess maybe we're led to believe that it, it could be real. Mm-hmm. And then there, there is a twist that the audience doesn't know at the end. So that, that is clever. Yeah. To make so, us go through a regular Scooby-Doo mystery and then bam, extra reveal. Yeah. Alice May's master criminal plan is to avenge her father, who was the creeper, against the mystery gang. She does this by establishing her legend as the ghost girl by kidnapping Randy so that, you know, the legend is spread word of mouth. Yeah. And Fred would have no choice but to go to prom with her, I guess. So to be clear, Fred was the only target. Yeah. Randy was but a stooge. As you've already described him as yeah. such, so good. Uh, but then, not really fuckers. Alice May is not the Creeper's daughter. No, nothing to do with him. The Creeper never had a daughter. Alice May was hired by Mr. E to be the plant that gets the gang on the track of the original Mystery Incorporated gang. Because apparently there was no other way to deliver this yearbook into their hands besides this elaborate scheme. I mean, you could say he was also testing them at the same time, but it, it is a very elaborate scheme for what he's doing. Yeah, it wasn't really a mystery to solve. I mean, right off the bat, Daphne was like, she's a ghost girl. And we as the audience were like, she's the ghost girl. <laughs> like, Yeah, it, I don't know. it was never hidden from us. So there are two versions of Alice May. There is the, the regular teen version of Alice May. She is just a... a Cute little Gwen Stacy-looking teen girl. Blonde hair, black headband. And the other version is, is when she tears off that face, revealing a hideous, gnarled, Crypt Keeper-esque form underneath. I guess maybe Creeper-inspired as well. Yeah. But holy shit, the scene with Randy... Where she just, like, takes off the face, and we see the skin stretch and pull. Like, I'm just tearing viscera from my face right now. That seems like a ten on its own. <laughs> and I don't know if I got over it. My first note for her is Alice May's face. Oh my god! And I, I like little scenes that we get with her later on in the locker room. When Daphne sort of sees her true form in the reflection and turns around and it's the regular Alice May. Yeah, how was that pulled off? Besides Daphne just imagining it. Or like them projecting, I mean, a trick with a mirror, maybe. But what, what's the purpose of that? Just to freak Daphne out? Right, and if it was a trick mirror, Daphne wouldn't have seen her own reflection in it, surely. That's a whole thing. Well, I'm... You can be really tricky with mirrors. I'm no, I'm no mirror specialist, but I bet you that can be done. Reflect yourself, but also project an image. It's all done with light. Yes, yes, dear. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> but again, that is only a good plan if your target is Daphne. Yeah. Her target was not Daphne. Her target was Fred. So it's all just in Daphne's mind, as far as I'm concerned. She freaks out because she sees a shadow. And, uh, yeah. Tear scale, Billy? I'm, I'm inclined to stick with 10. Alice, Alice, especially for the original version, this Alice May, who is like a succubus of a woman, 
the, the way that she lulls you in, she's scary. She's creepy. I, I feel, I feel like you're going to help keep the average down here. I, I think for season one, she's going to go into my, into my Mount Rushmore. It's beside, uh, I've already forgotten. The cro- the crocodile creatures? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is okay. it, was that just what they were called? No, the, the, no, cause they're not crocodile. You no. do this every gator, time. The gator creatures. The gator ghouls. I believe is what we called them over and over again. The gators. So you got the gator family and Alice May. That's my Mount Rushmore so far. This is my top tier. If you're being limited to four up there, you've already gone through two spaces in six episodes. Well, if if you remember, I only... Ooh, we do have like 26 to go, don't we? In this season, yeah. If you're doing a mystery incorporated as a whole. Well, you know what? I think I reserve the right to to maybe chisel a face off if I change my mind later on. Okay. So this is where it stands right now. I gave her a seven, which is still very, very high for me. Um, because... I kind of saw a little uh, like little J-horror movie in her. I think as a live-action Japanese ghost, she could be like a 10 out of 10. But for right now, she's a 7 from me. I'm also going to point out great use of lore. The fact is, the lore you're using is Scooby-Doo, where are you? You're going back to like the roots of the franchise to build this legacy villain. This is a second-generation creeper, and she works very well. Um, the one hint you're kind of given is that when you see the flashback to the police taking the creeper away, you see Alice May in that scene, and she's like seven years old. And yet, the gang were fully grown teenagers, so I don't know how long they've been in high school, <laughs> but that was definitely an issue for me. But, I mean, that's okay, because it was a lie. Yeah. A, a very bad lie. If you're going to lie, at least lie well. But... She's lying to a pack of idiots. Everyone knows they're idiots. She can say whatever the fuck she wants. They've yet to solve a mystery, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, they solved the creeper. And, yeah, very cool of the episode to then twist it that Alice May wasn't anything what they said. She lives to fight another. You actually see her, like, being taken out of jail. She walks free. Do you have any other thoughts or feelings for this episode? Two. A real quick one. The school's mascot is the fighting urchins, which I think is hilarious. That's fantastic. So much better than the cougars of the third yes. live action movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, second, America. What the fuck is prom to you? Okay, these kids are in like grade 10. Is an American prom just a dance at the end of the year that everyone goes to? Canadian prom is grade 12, and yeah. no one outside of grade 12 is allowed to go unless you are a grade 12's date. Yeah. Now, I, I would say these kids are grade 11. Would be my only argument with that. But yeah, prom. Still, prom still what is this? They're not buying their own tickets to prom. No. And like. Daphne, if, maybe. Older, older guy asking her to prom. If, I see it. If it's every year for everyone, the prom. Why is everyone always saying it's going to be the most magical night of their lives? Presumably, you could have four of the most magical nights of your lives. <laughs> so, please answer the question, America. What the fuck is prom to you? You know what? It would be stronger if you present Alice May as a senior who's taking Fred to prom 
because that very much isolates him from the rest of the gang. Yeah, they it's more can't like they show up. Hey, what are you doing here? That would work well. Yeah. Uh, my note: I have two notes about the signage in this episode. The signage is very good. The posters around the school for prom: no graphics, no imagery, just scrawled in thin letters. Are you ready? Prom night. Night is spelled incorrectly. <laughs> and uh, Rough doodle of a crown. And, and I don't know if that's like, I don't think it's are you ready for the dance. I think it's like, you know, consider, are you ready for a sexual relationship at this point? <laughs> are, are, you, are you determined to take that step? Or are, are you still but a child? Maybe. Well, it is. Ab- I think those are abstinence posters. It is an American high school, so they care more about stopping children from having sex than stopping children from bringing guns. Yeah. And they present it in a way that leaves it up to them. It, they, it doesn't say, you're not ready. It just says, are you ready? So, like, re- really, am I? You know what? No, I'm not ready. And I can make that choice for myself. The other sign I adored was at prom itself. Behind the stage where the band is set up, it just says, this is the prom. So that's their theme. Prom. (laughs) The prom. This is the prom. That is the theme. The theme is this is the prom. Simple. Elegant. I love it. Oh, it's (laughs) that's so fucking funny. I love it so much. I think my prom's theme was Hollywood. But the only thing that was vaguely Hollywood was just a cheap, like, cardboard display in the background that said Hollywood. Like, nothing was film reel looking or... Right. So your theme was the Hollywood sign. Seems that way. I was... think that was the prom that your sister actually planned. I think it's the best one I've ever heard of. My prom's theme was Casino Royale because it was 2006. Yeah. <laughs> And whoever planned that one thought, ooh, and what we can do to make it themed is we'll have poker tables at the back. <laughs> so at my no other, prom... No other kind of tables? No, no blackjack? Oh, there might have been no others. Craps. But, I mean, the po- poker, that was, that's what that movie was about. So instead of dancing, people could just sit and play poker. And ooh. Ooh, that must have been really fun for the dates that couldn't get a table yep. or didn't know how to play poker. Yep. That, uh, I mean, everyone had a table. That, that wasn't the eating table. That was just the poker table. So you could go eat and get food poisoning elsewhere. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I also remember we had, we had two guys that showed up in, uh, pretty much the dumb and dumber suits I would classify them as. Oh, well, of course. Complete with top hats. <laughs> of course, Billy. It's not prom without idiots. <laughs> I'll have you know, one of them was the valedictorian. Yeah, because your valedictorian was voted in via popular choice, which is not what a valedictorian is. Hence, as, as, as I've said before, my valedictorian speech ended with, Get her done. Yeah. ENSS was a fucking joke, and you will never convince me otherwise. I, every time I reminisce, I remember more and more. Our next episode is In Fear of the Phantom. Now, we just had an episode about the Creeper. Do you think this is going to be about the Phantom from Hassel and the Castle? No, absolutely not. I was actually incorrect last episode when I said that uh, the Hex girls don't appear until much later. 
because the hex girls are now appearing two episodes later. <laughs> See, well, I knew it was after Shaggy and Scooby were fighting. Right. I just didn't realize that the very next episode would be the one where they start fighting. Well, um so here's your here's your hex girls episode coming up. Well, hell yeah. That's all I can say. Amelia, is The Legend of Alice May a Scooby-Doo or a Scooby-Don't? It's another bad Velma episode. Mm -hmm. And I hate giving bad Velma episodes a Scooby-Doo absolutely, but like, it's really good outside of Velma. Yeah. And Velma has never stopped me from liking something before, because I never like Velma. <laughs> so it's a Scooby-Doo absolutely. I, it's, it's definitely a Scooby-Doo absolutely for me as well. And I feel better about that now that I've worked through my issues with Velma. Like, I've always said that her relationship with Shaggy was her working through issues. But I, I'm understanding this more as something that is rooted in character. It's very poorly explained in, and yes. in the series. It, but I mean, let's be honest. This episode would get an absolutely, if for nothing else, than the perfect recreation of the end of the Creeper episode with the gang in hay bales. <laughs> they fall in a baler. What's not to love? And speaking of hay... Hey, here's our Twitter handles. I'm at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia. And we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Doos. Seamless segue. Thank you. We can also be found <laughs> streaming old episodes on YouTube and Tumblr. And if you'd like to toss us a couple of dollars, if you appreciate what we do here, we have both a Patreon and a Ko-fi page. We also have outside projects. Billy has another podcast called The Film Runners, and he's also writing Scooby-Doo-related essays for the mm -hmm. Patreon page. We have a few up there. I'm just looking for people to tell me they're worth doing to continue. <laughs> I have a YouTube page where I post videos about spooky stuff. Currently working on a new one now. It will hopefully be out before the end of the month. Damn, that's a promise. And I I don't have to keep it to anyone. You d you don't. You could even you could retroactively edit this episode. <laughs> I could. <laughs> and on that note, that's it from Scooby Dooby Us. To Scooby Dooby You.